Hello, and welcome to the Vote Her podcast, because when you vote, great things can happen. Hi, I'm Mara Davis, and I'm a podcast host, and I have not been to Cancun in a really long time. Yeah, and I'm Jen Jordan, and I haven't either. And man, I would love to hit the Ritz right now. Me too. I heard there's some really good rates. Can we just, all right, if we're going to go in and talk right about Ted Cruz, because Ted Cruz is just so easy to dunk on. Number one, the text chain that was outed of like what went down. Uh, Do you like text chains, Jen? Or like friend group text groups? So I only have really one that's a significant one, and they're all my college friends. So people that live in Seattle and South Georgia and me. And so it's a really interesting group. And so that's what makes it kind of fun. But I will tell you, I got pretty paranoid (laughs) after I saw Heidi Cruz's uh, (laughs) friends out her to the national media. Right. Because somebody hates them. Clearly. Yeah. I mean, I was counting because, you know, on a text thing, you can count the little bubbles to see how many people are in it. Right. How many were? I think there were probably like eight. And I'm like, oh, I bet she's going one by one. Yeah, that's pretty intense. So obviously, this is sort of old news, but it's such delicious news. I mean, but in in like kind of the worst way, it's like, how could a a senator, a U.S. senator leave their state when they're in the middle of a disaster? And I saw this one tweet, Jen, from conservative radio host Eric Erickson. And he was like, why are people so outraged? Because there isn't actually anything he could do. He couldn't fix the power grid. And I just thought, gosh, and I tweeted back, hi, Eric. If Warnock or Ossoff were on a luxury sunny vacation, would you be totally okay with that? When people are dying in yes. the state. Yes. So I think it's just like, it was just so botched, but I don't think it will even matter. I think people would still vote for him in four years in Texas. I mean, I think the biggest issue with me is like members of the United States Senate are some of the most powerful people in this country and really in this world. And so as a state, when you are in that type of situation, you really need those people on the ground fighting for you, making the calls, securing the money, whatever it is, so that your state can kind of make it out of this disaster. And the fact that all he did was get on a plane and head to Cancun, it's incredibly revealing about him as a human being. I think so, too, because how could you not be worried about people or like have the heart? And also, if you're going to do it, like, because look, if you're rich, you can't blame somebody for wanting to go someplace warm when there's a disaster. We've all lost power and thought, oh, God, I'm going to go to somebody else's house or do what I need to do. Like, I want to take like the reality of it. And if you have the means to be able to get out of it, I don't fault you for that. But maybe it could have been, a, number one, a teachable moment for the kids because they could have volunteered or done something and said, you're going to learn something about this. And two, if you're going to do it, fly private, rent a house. Did he not think that somebody would spot him not only at the airport, but at the resort he planned to stay at? Yeah, there's like so many levels of bad that you can't even kind of get through them all. Look, I I get if people have means and they want to go somewhere while the power's out, all of that. Send Heidi and the kids, right? He's a United States senator. Yeah. Right? 
He represents the people of the state of Texas, and it was absolutely his responsibility to stay there and do whatever he could to help those folks. All right. So we're going to keep that in mind. Our Georgia senator, Senator Ossoff, was already like on his week back in town. He was going through getting COVID aid. I saw him working with Grady. But you actually spoke to Senator Ossoff pretty recently. How did that go? Oh, it was awful. What? (laughs) But not on his part. I mean, I've known Senator Ossoff for a a while now, right? He's been a supporter of mine from the beginning, has been super helpful to me throughout all of my campaigns. And I've always feel really comfortable around him. I mean, you know, he's a friend, or I think of him as a friend. I had a phone call with him since he became United States Senator. And I was the most awkward person ever. (laughs) Like, I was like, hello. Yes, I would like to speak with you about certain things that are going on in my district. And I could just kind of see his face through the phone like, who is this and what is going on? Why do you think you were so nervous? You've known him for a long time. I mean, in a way, you, you kind of mentored him. So what was it? I don't know if I'd say mentored. I mean, we've kind of been through the slog together, right? Right. We've been doing our campaigns at the same time. I understand, but maybe he looks up to you because... Because I'm so much older than him. (laughs) Is that what you're trying to say, Mara? (laughs) Listen, I'm older than everybody, so... Yes, I am senior to our senior United States senator. (laughs) So we'll we'll go with that. I I am the, the older sister he's never had. Okay, so did you get anything done? Was it productive? And did he call you on it? Was he like, what is wrong with you? Well, I could tell he was just like, okay, well, this has been great. (laughs) Talk to you soon, Jen. And I'm just like, I hung up the phone and I was like, what is wrong with me? Like, that was the weirdest thing ever. To the point, I literally almost wrote him a note like, I am so sorry. That was like, 15-year-old Jen on a phone call with you. So, yeah. But being in United States Center is a big deal. That it just kind of underscores it. I understand. I understand. But I also think it's hilarious and kind of adorable and real. And I'm sure you are probably reading into it more. I think you probably think it was a certain way and, and it, it probably wasn't that bad. I don't know. I was, <laughs> I was pretty damn awkward. Well, you have his number, so it's on you. Cause he yeah, need- no, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> I'm not going to like text or call a U.S. senator and be like, hey, John, what up? We do want him as a guest on this podcast. And I sort of, when I interviewed him, I unofficially got an answer, but we can call Jake Best and see what happens there. Well, I'll you know, do it. he's always welcome. He sure is. All right, let's talk about what's been going on while you've been in session. You've been under the gold dome and what everybody's talking about are these crazy new voting bills, which are like making national news where it seems like the Georgia GOP are really trying to make a lot of changes. So what do you make of all of this? Look, what I make of it is that Democrats got out and voted and they won. And now Republicans want to pass laws to make sure that that doesn't happen again. It's like if you can't win on the issues or or actually play them by the rules, then you change the rules so that they benefit you. What will get through and what will be tossed out? No clue. I mean, there are so many of these bills that have been filed on the House and the Senate side that cover everything you could possibly think of. And most of them you can kind of trace back to a conspiracy theory, right? 
like dead people voting, for example. One of the bills that's been filed requires county elections officials to call funeral homes to check on who who died and, and make sure they take them off the rolls. County officials already deal with that in terms of the coroners and in very official lines in terms of who died and who didn't. And they take those people off the rolls. But it's that whole story that, you know, there were dead people voting throughout the state. So we got to do something about it. And what did it. they find? There were two people, they had found two dead people that voted. And it was like a very small. I, I remember uh, when Gabriel Sterling came out and talked about that. And it was like the amount was two. Or was it Raffensperger that said that? Yeah. And sometimes it's innocent. Like one of, I remember there was a story about, I'm just going to make up a name, Dan Smith. Mm-hmm. He voted and he's been dead forever. Like how did Dan Smith? Well, the deal is... It was the is, wife, right? It was Mrs. Dan that's Smith. That's right. I and remember that's that. that's how she was in the system. So a lot of the things that we hear about that happened in elections are just human error. There's been a, a they, somebody input the data wrong, all that kind of stuff, right? That if you actually chase it down and investigate it, you find out there's really nothing there in terms of fraud or, or bad intent. So here we are of we don't know what's going to go through. We don't know what will make it, what won't. I believe the momentum is there for Democrats right now. And I think they are fired up because people have actually seen like, wow, my vote really mattered. So do you think that these, like they're trying to eliminate hours on weekends for people to vote? They're right, ma- the Souls to the Polls, which is a really popular program right? that has, especially in the African-American community, you know, they target churches. So to take people after church and they drive them to the polls sure. to go vote. That's the problem is that a lot of these things seem to be targeted at making it harder to vote and specifically harder to vote for people of color. Does that mean that maybe we can, I mean, will some of these groups, you know, if I'm like Black Votes Matter or Fair Fight, we're going to come up with an alternative no matter how hard they they try to change it. Yeah, but I go back and forth. Part of me is like, why are y'all doing this? Because A, you're going to make it harder for your people too, right? Exactly. Anytime you make it harder for people to vote, it goes both ways. And number two, it's like you're giving the messaging to Stacey Abrams for her run in 22. Yeah, you are. She's been sitting here telling folks for years that Republicans suppress the vote, and that's the only way they think they can win. And then here you go. You're going into the session before kind of the gubernatorial run starts, and you're intentionally trying to disenfranchise people. And that is not a good look. Yeah. So there's a lot going on there. So we're going to have to keep our eye on that. Like, when will we know? I mean, towards the end of session, right? When everybody's voting on everything, right? Yeah. I mean, look, there's something called crossover day. Okay. And just to kind of tell you and and the folks out there that don't know what that is. So a lot of bills get filed in the House. A lot of bills get filed in the Senate. And then they kind of work the process. They go to committees, they come out, they go to the floor for a vote. And at that point, once the Senate votes on something, that bill crosses over to the House. Same thing on the House side. Once the House votes on something, it crosses over to the Senate. On crossover day or after crossover day, if a bill hasn't crossed over, then it's basically dead or supposed to be dead for the session. Okay. All right. Well, 
So a lot we're going to have to keep our eye on, a lot more news on this. People are going to be covering it, but it just does seem very sad to see the oppression of people who are just trying to get their vote. And I think it should be made easier for everybody to vote. Of course it should be. I think the problem is, is that now we're not even pretending that a lot of this stuff has anything to do with like real fraud or real problems with the voting system. So if there's not a problem that you're, trying to fix, then really, what are you doing? Okay. All right. Well, just so you know, everybody's hearing the background. Jen's dog, Mr. Bean. I want to apologize right now. (laughs) It's an adorable French bulldog who um, has a snore. Does that dog sleep with you? He does, and he sounds just like that. It's almost (laughs) like my own white noise machine all through the night. So I apologize, but he's sleeping, and so that's better than barking. All right. Well, we're going to get to our next guest who would definitely give us a good laugh. So the funniest thing about her is, and I think why she's so believable, is because she takes real-life stuff that happens and that people know to be true like Costco, right? One of her first bits was there was this whole video that came out where a man got into a huge fight with a Costco employee about not wearing a mask, right? She took that bit and then did a video basically as the Costco man's wife. And so it comes right after, and man, it was so friggin' believable. I know that a lot of y'all have seen uh, that video of my husband Dan asserting his American rights in Costco. So um, I just really, I just want to clear a few things up about it, okay? Dan was not threatened (laughs) in the Costco. I know that he was like, I feel threatened, I feel threatened, but he was not threatened at all. He wasn't scared at all, were you, babe? No. No, see, I feel threatened is, um, it's actually our family's crest, so we just say it sometimes. Like, he said it to me in our wedding vows, you know? He was like, I feel threatened. And I was like, I do too. (laughs) Second of all, we don't wear masks in this family. I have asthma. Dan has asthma. Our children, Jackson, Oakland Cemetery, hydrochloroquine, they all have asthma when it's convenient for them to have it. So, you know, we don't wear masks. Like, the other day I met this girl, and she was like you're not wearing a mask. It's so dangerous. And I was like, well, if you're so scared, then why don't you stay home? And then she was like, well, if you don't want to wear a mask, why don't you stay home? I mean, she's wearing like a an American Eagle t-shirt. <laughs> she's talking about Costco. She's talking about Dan, her husband, and all this stuff. And she's even incorporating some of the things from the other video, which then made it seem really, really real. Well, between that and, of course, the great Ted Cruz video. Um, yes, Senator Cruz is in Cancun right now. Um, but, you know, here at his offices, we say big whoop. Senator Cruz deserves to relax, unwind, unplug, recharge, you know, like you would a power outlet. Um, or his power grid's going to go out, and we can't be having that. You know, that's too important. So he's got to take care of his lot, which comes from the inside. And um, it's just like, why can't he have his eat, pray, love moment like everybody else can? It's just funny to me. It's funny that... Whenever he's here in America and he's doing his little jokes on Twitter, everybody says, go away, Ted, we hate you. But then when he goes away to Cancun, everybody says, well, where's Ted? Why isn't he doing his little jokes on Twitter? Now, sometimes you just don't know what you got till it's gone. And that should be a lesson for the Americans um, wondering where Senator Ted Cruz is at this morning. So we're going to see if she's going to be able to kind of keep pushing it, right? 
Trump gave a lot of comedians a lot of things to work with. I mean, the thing you can say about the Biden administration is that it's, it's been pretty boring thus far. Yep, but we've got Ted Cruz. We always have Ted. So our guest today is Blair Erskine, who's a comedian and writer, and she has become really, really white hot for going on Twitter and spoofing Republicans and Trump supporters, and really pretty much anybody is a target for Blair. Blair Erskine is with us today from Atlanta and now on the Vote Her podcast. Girl, what's up? Hi, I'm so excited to be here. This is so cool. We are so excited to have you. I will tell you that I have my little chat chain, kind of like I guess uh, Heidi Cruz, and I t- <laughs> and I told my love lovelies that um, that you were going to come on the pod, and that is the biggest response I've ever gotten from all of those women. They were so <gasps> excited. Oh, maybe they'll leak it. The leak it ahead of the pod. Oh, leak the text chain of leak Jen's text. text chain. You should see the look on her face. You're a little nervous. Well, I was kind of like after I saw the Heidi Cruz ones, I went back and I started to check exactly what we had been saying. You know, when it's your friends, right? You think you're, it's like a conversation. So anyway. <laughs> well, that video, which is so great, the one that you did just recently of, you know, Ted Cruz's communications manager and something that happens to you all the time is that people think that you're like real. They do. I mean, to their credit, I put a lot of effort into making it seem like I am. But all they have to do is click on my profile and it says I'm a comedian. But people don't do that one thing. I mean, journalists don't do that one thing. Nobody does it. It is. (laughs) I mean, like at first I could see it, right? Because you were kind of new to the scene. Yeah. Holy camoly, they keep doing it. Like high profile people, people with lots of followers. And then it's like, you just want to laugh. I mean, because everybody's like, she's joking. Like, come on, get over it. It's really funny. It's funny. It's scary at the same time because, I mean, it's good for me because it gets like the engagement up and it helps with numbers. But it's just like, these are the people making decisions and I mean, in media, you know, and they're in charge of delivering information and they're not fact-checking and uh, people on our side too. It's mostly liberals that do this. Maybe Republicans are retweeting me and they're just being quiet about it. Well, they're just liking it. You know, they're just sharing it among each other. (laughs) That's right. Yeah, it's always the the loudest ones are just the angry liberals. They're Um, like, I can't believe this. Listen to this woman. (laughs) Is this real? They say that all the time. And it's like, no, it's no. no. I'm real, I think. I'm questioning everything. Can you walk us through like, okay, so when the Ted Cruz thing happened yes. and you thought to yourself, wow, this is a such a hot media story that's trending, it's political, I'm going to need to do something. So take me through the process of how you write that bit and put it out there. Yeah, well, yesterday was a little different because I did it faster than I normally do. Um, and usually I do ones that are you know, uh, front-facing camera, like I'm just using my cell phone, but I wanted to make it seem like a news interview. But I saw that yesterday, Ted Cruz, I heard the night before that he had gone to Cancun, but it wasn't, you know, certain. And then when I woke up the next morning, we were, everyone was pretty sure he was there. I think it had been confirmed by then, but he hadn't released a press statement yet. And I was like, I have to get this out before he does. Because it was at 1030, I think, when I posted it. I was sure, but 
that by the time I got done recording that he would have said something, but it was four hours after that. But yeah, I just sort of... Uh, Im- I improv that one, which I don't normally do. Usually, I I just write out like five or six quick jokes that come to mind, just top of mind stuff for these videos. And then I film and uh, put those jump cuts in. And that really helps with uh, being funny editing. But yesterday was sort of... That was a different one. But I like the Zoom ones. It's a new way to trick people because people are used to me holding the camera in front of my face and and yelling at it like I'm somebody's wife. So it was nice to be the communications director. I actually think your statement was probably better than the one that he actually it put out. It was. <laughs> my God. It's like nothing like blaming your daughters, right? I mean, and then for that text chain to come out directly after that, and proving him to be a liar once again. It was, I keep thinking about it all. The snowflake, the dog, all of it. I, It's all so funny. It just doesn't get better. So let's talk about really the issue with Ted Cruz, which is what's up with his haircut, by the way? Have y'all seen that? Oh it's God. like a mullet, right? It's like a Peaky it's, Blinders kind of thing. It's bizarre. Yeah. It is. And yeah, with that facial hair that he has too. I forget what he used to look like without the facial hair. Well, I think he's just such a fun guy to dunk on because he's such a hypocrite. But gosh, Blair, I mean, yeah. you, you've had some dust-ups with some pretty famous people like... Michael Moore. (laughs) Talk to us about that one. That was crazy. Oh, yeah, Michael Moore. That was back when I I spoofed one of those Trump supporters who took the bus to that rally and then the bus didn't come to pick them up. In In the cold. It was In the cold. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I put that jacket on. It was October, so it was still muggy here. And I put the jacket on and went on my porch five o'clock in the morning. There were crickets chirping in the background. I was like, no one's going to think this is real. But sure enough, I went to sleep and I woke up and it had blown up. And yeah, a lot of people with that one got fooled. Katie Couric and some other people. But Michael Moore definitely was. We started trending on Twitter because he thought it was real. He retweeted it and said something like, this is why Trump's going to win because he's got people like this on his side. And uh, left it up for five hours, you know? And then whenever he realized what he had done, he just took it down and didn't say anything, didn't acknowledge. A lot of people are cool about it. They'll be like, oh, you got me, my bad, haha, here's a follow. Like Jason Alexander did that yesterday. Oh, oh wow. So, what happened? I that's, know. that's That's a name drop. You yeah, know, that's pretty I significant. That <laughs> my friends are probably so tired of me being like, so-and-so followed me on Twitter. But um, no, he was he was so cool about it. Jason Alexander was like, you got me. Here's a follow. I'm, you know, glad to follow you. And that was sweet. But uh, Michael Moore, you know, he's Michael Moore, which sucks. I mean, I have enjoyed Michael Moore a lot in the past. But so I guess I should have known he wasn't going to say what I was wrong. I don't think I've ever heard him say that before. Well, there have been so many like you have really gone after a lot of Georgia politicians. Has anybody pulled you aside and been like, you know what, can you stop? Or the reverse of that, Blair, has anybody said, ooh. Hey, have you thought about going after this guy? Yeah. <laughs> um, I get a lot of that. I, no one has told <laughs> me to stop yet, but I do get I get ideas. People give me ideas and I am thankful for the ideas. I I want someone to tell me to stop. That's what I want. I wanted Ted Cruz to send me a cease and desist, but he hasn't. So we since then, you know, you talk about like people who have really thrived in the pandemic, in the entertainment world. And and gosh, COVID has been like the best thing that's ever happened to you. That's awful to say, but it's true. It has not been easy, this whole experience. Obviously, 
So yeah, I got lucky and my video is taking off. And so it's given me something to do and keep my mind off of things a bit or else I I would be going crazier than I already am. So yeah, it's weird to think I was doing stand up before this and I was doing stand up so I could get into a writer's room one day on TV. And this has definitely sped that path up a bit because I feel like I would have just, you know, been on that same trajectory for seven years or something if this hadn't happened. So I'm thankful. I'm thankful. Well, one of the things that that I love that you do is how you, when you're purportedly have children, whatever character it is, and then the names you come up with. (laughs) And they're always, you know, Atlanta or Georgia specific. And so if you're from here, it is such a hoot. (laughs) So... Anyway. Margaret Mitchell House. Oh, yeah. Oakland. I think Oakland Cemetery Oakland was Cemetery. one of your children. <laughs> that was one of my first babies. Yeah. Oakland Cemetery. Yeah. That's really, sure. really funny. The people with two <laughs> names, you know, like Mary Margaret or Mary Catherine. Yeah, it was hyphenated. Oh, yeah. Uh, Mary Mary Catherine was one, too. Yeah. Those Just, uh, those, are, are, those are really, really great. Now, <laughs> so were you concerned like that you know, since we have a Biden presidency, are you going to go after anybody in that administration? Or are you going to, is anybody safe or is everybody a target? I would say everybody's a target the way things are looking now. (laughs) No, but I mean, I, I had a bunch of, I consider myself progressive and I, a bunch of progressive friends of mine, like before the election, they were like, you also need to, you know, go after people on the left too. And it's like, yeah, But, you know, at the same time, not right now. Like I wanted it. It's all about timing. And I didn't think going after Joe Biden or anybody trying to, I don't know, be Donald Trump then was the best decision for me. But no, I mean, I I will definitely make liberals are dumb too. We're all dumb. We're all so dumb. That's one thing this has taught me is that everybody's going to do something stupid. And it's fun to make fun of it when it happens. I mean, you know, as long as it's not, I don't like punching down. I don't mind punching down on Ted Cruz, but I don't like, I try not to be a bully, but some people deserve to get roasted, definitely. No, well, you're right. I think that sometimes stupidity or doing dumb things or whatever, that's definitely a, a nonpartisan or, or bipartisan activity. Yes. And so it is kind of fun to to take advantage of that. I mean, Dems, yeah. you know, we can be our own worst enemies sometimes. Oh, my God, definitely. And that's what, I mean, with these people who take my videos very seriously, that's, I'm not saying they're dumb, definitely, because like I said, I designed these to be realistic, but it's like also, you know, check your sources. That's how we got into this mess in the first place. We need to be checking our sources, making sure <laughs> that we're not spreading lies. But d- Democrats, yeah, we're all, I mean, we're goofy and dumb and we do, we need to be able to laugh at ourselves and l- lighten up a little bit. I think that's the key. Who's the follower? You've gotten so many followers on. <sighs> Twitter, so many many. famous people. I mean, sometimes when I see the amount of famous people that are following you or that retweet you from Pripahara, I saw you, you know, from incredible, like, like you have really influential politicos. And but then I saw Stephen Colbert followed you, too. Yes. The last week he did. And then this morning, you guys, Steve Martin. (gasps) Oh! I woke up to that. He just followed me at like 7 a.m. I screamed. Screamed. So I'm curious, have any of these like turned into jobs? You got signed? You got in the New York? I got signed. (laughs) Yeah, but no. Thanks for bringing that up. I was just saying that to my husband this morning. If you guys are going to follow me, give me a job. That's all I ask. I mean, they've turned into my, I have management and I haven't, I'm with, 
ICM and they're a great agency. I've got really great agents and they're working very hard to try to get me jobs. And I have gotten like I'm submitting writing packets. I'm getting callbacks for those. I'm doing auditions. And so I'll, I'll get a job. I'm getting there. You know, it doesn't just happen immediately. But I thought that it would because I'm naive, I guess. I was like, somebody will just see these and think I'm funny and give me a writing job. And no, they're like, prove it. And then they're like, it's not good enough. And um, <laughs> it's just a, a series of, you know, rejection. But hey, that's, that's the biz. That's showbiz, baby. So I'm getting the authentic experience. What about Marjorie Taylor Greene? Oh. Have you done anything with that? The her daughter, her her daughter, oh. yeah, pretended to be her daughter. And I think last year I pretended to be her sister, like back in September. I mean, early on, and I think that's when she blocked me because she did block me on Twitter. Nice. And uh, yeah, no, it's a badge of honor. Um, but uh, I <laughs> I think that was when it happened. Yeah, she's a, she's a lot. I mean, she's 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 definitely somebody that can be parodied. So uh, yeah, and and I know you did uh, Kelly Leffler too, which is sort of a, an easy target. She was an easy target. I did my Kelly Leffler impression, which wasn't even an impression; it was just a robot, um, <laughs> and that was fun to do. Yeah, I mean, the election cycle in Georgia was fun, and then um, I did Matt Matt Lieberman's daughter. Oh um, yeah, <laughs> and. <laughs> And then Stacey Abrams reached out to me after that one to help me or to get me to help make an explainer video for uh, Asaf and Warnock's spaces. And that was really cool just to know she knows I exist. That made me really happy. Did she call? Was it her that called you or was it like a team? It was her. She DM'd me and asked for my email address and then she emailed me. And then Nakima Williams uh, called me and I got to talk to Nakima. So, but it was just Nakima and Stacey. It was so cool. <laughs> Heroes. Yeah, I think Nakima told me she was like, "Oh yeah, I've got a call with Blair." I was like, "Oh come on! <laughs> I mean, are you really doing this to me?" I was so nervous uh, that any of you know who I, one of my really good friends is Josh McLaurin, and he is a representative in Georgia. And yeah, he helped me with all the political stuff. I'd go to him to to ask him, you know, if, does this make sense if I say it like that? Just because I feel like I'm politically informed, but. I still have so much learning to do. I mean, I'm not an expert by any means. And I feel like sometimes people think that I am because I, I don't know, say things confidently. <laughs> but I'm always going back and Googling or asking my friends who know better. And uh, I told him, yeah, I was like, I'm on an email chain with Stacy and, and Nakima. He was like, what is going on <laughs> with you? <laughs> so that's really cool that you, you actually try to check it out. And so Josh Mara is a state rep and he represents parts of Sandy Springs and Fulton County. So just kind of right, right. I don't think he has yeah. any of my district, but he's he's right kind of adjacent yeah, I believe, to I it. I think I follow him and I see he's his... A young, he's a young guy. I see his t tweets and I know he's very like politically outspoken, which is pretty great because we need more of that. We need more people like you. Blair, you're just such a great Atlanta success story and Atlanta politics success story and keep stumping people. <laughs> no, will. and I think the next two years are going to present lots of opportunities for you. <laughs> oh, um, gubernatorial oh the gubernatorial and then the the u.s senate rematch and um oh gosh is david purdue running again against warnock he has indicated that he just might and that's crazy to me that he would do that that's crazy well what's funny is you just get beat by a 33 year old dude and then you're gonna come back and challenge the person who actually got even more popular. votes yeah. than the 33 year old dude like i'm not quite sure why, why that 
you know, how that lines up. No, he's like a, I don't know, America's sweetheart, Raphael Warnock. I mean, I don't know the alternative term for that, but he's just, everyone loves him. I mean, Georgia will go hard for uh, Senator Warnock. So I don't know what David Perdue is thinking. I'd love to see it. Well, if it does happen, Blair, I want you to parody my all-time favorite David Perdue commercial. Oh my gosh. With all the ladies sitting around at like their like, you know, book club and they're like, we love David Perdue. He's he's just Oh, you've never seen that? It is bizarre. It's bizarre. Oh my God. It's it's it may be my favorite commercial of all time <laughs> because it's just it's it's all send it to you, but they're like, hey, just doesn't he's just for Georgia. He's not gonna defund the police. Like it's, it's a lot. It's a lot. I can't handle that. His commercials and that denim jacket with a collar pop <laughs> talking about the real original. I, I what was he doing? Who gave him? I just want to know who advised him. I don't think he wears that jacket. I don't think he wears it. It, it never. No. Like he only brings it out for 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 campaigns because yeah. I mean the dude's like a multimillionaire lives on Sea Island behind a gate. He's not he wearing that Island? jean jacket. Yeah, yeah. he does. He's he does. Girl. It's like Kelly Leffler's farm up. girl outfit. She doesn't wear that she outfit. <laughs> <laughs> oh yes, Girl, she does. You live in like on a head. on a block. It's not even like a in lot. Jen's district. That's right. She's a constituent. <laughs> she oh she's she is she is. I'm I'm pretty <laughs> sure she doesn't vote for me though. I'm, I'm gonna go sure out right. on a limb. Well, maybe she'll vote for you next time, Blair. We think you're the best. Congratulations Thank on all you. your success. And um, I'm and glad please you're... please keep doing what you're doing. And keep in touch because we're going to need you for will. something probably down the road. <laughs> yeah, I'm here. We're pals. I'm yeah, I'm going to call you and, and pitch a couple of people that maybe you can uh, go after. Whatever you need, I'll do it. <laughs> well, we love you. Congratulations. Love you and uh, we'll talk to you again soon. Okay. Thank you. Awesome. Well, Blair's the best. We love her. That was so funny. It's so nice that that she's so accessible right now, Jen. She seems really, really sweet. Like, because her her <laughs> her comedy is hard hitting in the nicest of ways, right? For sure, for sure. So before we wrap up today, I did want to talk about Rush Limbaugh dying, which he died at 70 years old. He had cancer. He had been sick for a really long time. It's really bizarre to me to see that the governor DeSantis in Florida is flying the flags at half staff. And then also, you know, he got the Presidential Medal of Freedom a year ago at the State of the Union address with President Trump, if you remember that. And I remember. Oh, I remember. And, um, you know, it's really wild because as a broadcaster, it's someone in a, in a weird way, like I have a lot of respect for in the sense that he was a conservative voice when there weren't that many conservative voices in mainstream media. And that's just a fact. You know, look, people can argue what's left, what's light, right. But when it comes to media, most of it does lean left. Which is why when Rush Limbaugh came on the scene, I think so many people were attracted to them, to him and to some of the things that he was saying. Now, he's a force in broadcasting in the sense that anybody who can get on the radio and can do a monologue for an hour 
and take calls and, and do that is a true skill and talent. There's no doubt about it. But I was so conflicted when he died because as much as I admired him as a broadcaster, I can't take away some of the really, truly hurtful, divisive, harmful things he said. Ms. Fluke and the rest of you feminazis, here's the deal. If we are going to pay for your contraceptives and thus pay for you to have sex, we want something for it. And I'll tell you what it is. We want you to post the videos online so we can all watch. This is Michael J. Fox. He's got Parkinson's disease. And it's in this commercial, he is exaggerating the effects of the disease. He is moving all around and shaking, and it's purely an act. This is the only time I have ever seen Michael J. Fox portray any of the symptoms of the disease he has. We're witnessing racism all this week uh, that led up to the uh, inauguration. We are being told that we have to hope he succeeds, that we have to bend over, grab the ankles, bend over forward, backward, whichever, because his father was black, because this is the first black president. We've, we've just we've got to accept this. You know, but it's also like I love Howard Stern and he said some like sexist, misogynistic, terrible things. Uh, but in some weird way with Rush, it just feels different. So I think the issue with Rush is he is kind of one of the original misinformation kind of purveyors. Sure. And really, it really felt like a lot of what he was doing was entertainment. But at the same time, he is shaping basically conservative ideology after Ronald Reagan. But shaping it in a way that wasn't nice. Not nice. And, you know, look... I never like to talk bad about the dead. I, I don't like it when people say things on social or, or say things after someone's passed about them. Right. Just keep moving, right? And then we can talk about it later. But with respect to him, I mean, he, he just wasn't a nice person. And I think that, that the way he went after people, I think the way that he approached issues or kind of framed issues in terms of, of conservatism, I think he's part of why we have such a problem today in terms of how negative and how partisan things are. Right. Like, I don't b agree that he should have gotten. I think he deserves a, a space in broadcasting that's important. But I don't know about all the the nice, like when I just saw the fawning over him in conservative media and, you you know, a lot of the horrible details were left out about, you know, offending women, offending people like Michael J. Fox, the racism. Right, making fun of people with disabilities. Yes. The misogyny, the anti-LGBTQ stuff. I mean, the guy just really was an equal opportunity offender. And he was a really kind of sad, miserable person. I remember years ago, there was a long profile about him in the New York Times Magazine about how he had a bunch of cats and he used to light the candles for the cats. And he was a really bizarre guy. And fun fact, you know who he used to date? No, who? <laughs> well, Darren Kagan from CNN, who lives here in Atlanta, they were together. So, like, he was around in, in I think, I believe they did maybe the early 2000s, maybe before that. She's married now. I know Darren a little bit. But, yeah, I mean, they dated. So, and he had a lot of different girlfriends. And I just think he was just a, a 
someone who was sad inside. And it's it's just a bummer that the shock value, because I believe with Howard Stern, uh, even though he's sort of had like a, a reckoning and he's evolved and has kind of done so much therapy where he apologizes for a lot of the misogynistic or, or offensive stuff that he's done. I'm glad therapy has helped him. <laughs> Well, he's very open about that, where Rush just never apologized and could never really understand. I remember I got into it where he was on the morning show. It was the, um, oh, God, that one big morning show. He went on this, like, black morning show. And it was just, I thought it was kind of great that he agreed to go on. It was just, he was sort of trying, but it just never really landed. It was after George Floyd. He tried to do that. And it was just like, with Charlemagne the God, that's who oh, it was. Yeah. Remember that? Let me ask a quick question. If the Minnesota Vikings had announced two nights ago mm-hmm. that they were going to hire Colin Kaepernick, would the riots have stopped? No. Nobody gives no. a shit about that. Like, what are we talking about? Well, Colin you guys, Kaepernick what do you mean? You guys brought up Kaepernick. <laughs> <laughs> Kaepernick. His name is Kaepernick. And Kaepernick, the reason I brought him up sorry. is he was so opinionated about Colin him protesting. And uh, I'm just asking, if the Vikings had signed him, would that have, would the people have been this? oh, good, okay, he's got a oh, gig. You know, We're he, not going to protest no. anymore. Because no. that's not going to stop white supremacy. That's not going to stop r- racism, okay? We got to, RIP to George Floyd, but this, that was not an isolated right. incident. This is a regular occurrence Let me uh, ask for you. black people in this country. How and do you how would that be? Don't want to change the system. Uh, how do that's you a stop- question for you. You, you, I, I want to know, guys, how, how are you going to use your privilege as a white male to combat this prejudice? You, you got a direct line. I, I don't, I don't buy Trump. into. The, no, wait a minute. I don't buy into the notion of white privilege. See, I, oh, I, I, I think just, that's a you're liberal. Just, you're, just, you're being delu- that's a that's, liberal political construct right along the lines of of uh, uh, political correctness. It's designed to intimidate and get people to shut up and admit they're guilty of doing things Russ, they haven't done. You know, I don't have, you, I don't have any you know white. What, privilege. You know what white privilege is? White privilege is that what, what happened to George Floyd would not have happened to a white man. That's still uh, pretty like, near white if, privilege right there. If, if, if what happened to George Floyd had happened to a white man, we probably wouldn't even have heard about it. Huh? No one ever comes across very well on that show. It's kind of true, but I mean, and for a second, I gave him, I gave him a pass for trying, but then listening to the interview, I was like, "Whoa, man, you're just racist," and I'm sorry. And I know it's hard, like for someone like our friend, like Martha Zoller, who was on with us last week. I know for someone like her, like he's her idol. He's the reason why she got into conservative radio. And I don't want to take that away from her, but I also don't want to take away that he really, I mean, he talked about you, didn't he? That's what's kind of crazy. After all the HB 481, the abortion ban stuff a couple of years ago, I got a text from a friend and basically it was like, wow, you've really made it because Limbaugh went after you. And I was like, of course, I had no clue because I do not listen to Rush Limbaugh. <laughs> yes. But it was one of those things where I felt very conflicted. Yeah. And I didn't listen to it. And I didn't listen to it because I knew that if he mentioned me, it wasn't going to be good. It was going to be ugly. And I don't want to give him that power over me. Well, now he <laughs> doesn't have that power anymore. That's right. <laughs> well, the running reruns of his show. So because and that's the weird thing about the state of talk radio, because 
They don't put women in this. But this is the beef I've always had, Jen, which is why I love podcasting and doing this with you because there are no female voices in talk radio. And I know my conservative friends will say, oh, but Laura Ingram. And I will always say, well, can you name five more women besides her on talk radio? And, and you simply can't. And don't say Dr. Laura, because that doesn't count. That, that'll be the next one. And then maybe they'll be like, they'll be like Dana Lash, who was a NRA spokesperson. And I'm like, okay, I'll give you her. I wouldn't give her. I, oh, <laughs> God. Yeah. I don't. She's a, uh, yeah. You know, she's sort of irrelevant now, right? The NRA is a, is irrelevant. She's she irrelevant. Be. And, you know, she was, didn't even really work for them. I learned from Gangster Capitalism, the great podcast. She worked for Ackerman McQueen, the advertising agency. Dana Lash is an actress. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, she loves guns and she's good at, you know, looking good and holding a gun. But An acting. Correct. Well, there you go. Anything else we need to know about going on at the State House? No, I would just tell folks to, to pay close attention. I mean, it is happening fast and furious. And usually what happens is it'll be in the dead of night or in the early morning. Like we had some election bills were coming through and they set it down for a hearing at 7 a.m. And then they made sure that there wasn't a live stream or any kind of video access to it. Folks need to watch. They need to call their electeds and they need to call folks out because at the end of the day, they're supposed to be working for all of us elected officials. And, and you know, we just need to hold them to account. OK, one more thing before we go. I did read from a couple people that you were giving your presentation and someone said something a little spicy about you or uh, tried to make a joke about you that didn't land? Yes. And I I won't go into specifics about it. But look, you've dealt with it. I deal with it every day. And as as an attorney and a lawyer and as a woman, we hear that stuff every single day. It doesn't make it right. But it was interesting because it was on video. So a lot of people saw it. And were really outraged by it. And the people who were really outraged were all men. And I thought that was really interesting because the women I know, they hear it every day. Yeah, we're like, oh, we've been there. Okay, okay. (laughs) You know, move on. Let's get the work done because, you know, that's why I'm there. All right. Well, uh, Senator Jen's getting her work done and she's working for you. She's dedicated, determined, and dependable. And wow, that sounds like a campaign slogan. (laughs) Well, you may need it. 3D. <laughs> we, 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 we don't, we don't, well, that's, I think that's Fox 5 that, that oh, has that. Okay. I, I wish I made that up. But, um, all right. Anything else you want to announce while you're here? No. Okay. All right. Very good. We want to thank Christina Laringer for all the editing, Terminus Records. Uh, make sure to reach out to her, vote her podcast at gmail.com. Follow Senator Jen at Senator Jen at Mara Davis. We want to thank Mr. Bean uh, for being a part of the show <laughs> today. Uh, we want to thank Blair Erskine for giving, giving us some time. And we will chat with you next time. A lot of Georgia breaking news. And we are not going to Cancun. Yes, yet. we are not. Yes. Yet. Yes.